For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. On today's show, we're going to be exploring important YouTube updates that marketers need to know about, including YouTube is increasing its video quality. So at what point do we as marketers have to uplevel the video quality of our content? Also, if you or your clients have a podcast, there's a really important update to know about, especially since Google Podcasts is vanishing. And a bizarre new test that might make us rethink the colors we use on our thumbnails, if I'm interpreting this correctly. My name is Jerry Potter, host of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a production from Social Social Media Examiner, where we break down the latest social media news and what it means for marketers like you. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Today, I'm joined by Diana Gladney. Diana is a YouTube expert and consultant. Her YouTube channel is designed to help entrepreneurs simplify the video creation process, and she's the host of the Video Simplified podcast. Diana, welcome to the show. Why, thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. So let's jump right into this video quality. YouTube sort of made this announcement about improved quality for certain people on YouTube. So let's start there. What is this update that they're rolling out? Yeah, so this one's very interesting. This is called the 1080p Enhance. And so really what this is about is for YouTube TV and they're saying primetime channels that you're going to be able to get the updated quality, if you will. You don't have to change anything per se, but this is more on the viewers side of things. So people that are watching your content are going to have the option when they click on that gear icon to actually choose the higher resolution. And what they'll start seeing is an enhanced version. And it says to ensure that access to the 1080p is enhanced for the best possible viewing experience, they're gonna recommend that you upgrade to a 4K compatible streaming device, which is pretty much anything that anybody has that they've bought in the last couple of years. Yeah, so on our side, as the people that are creating and posting the content, if we're already uploading 1080p, this is basically streaming a higher quality of it. We don't have to change what we upload then. Yeah, the way I described it to my friend, she was asking about resolutions and like, does it even make a difference when it comes to, you know, with your clients and their videos and such? And I said, imagine like a hamburger where the hamburger is pretty dense. So you're getting a lot of meat still fits within the size of a bun, but you're getting <laughs> way more meat versus if somebody gives you something that's really thin, you're like, man, the buns are bigger than the meat. It's kind of the same thing when it comes to the quality of the content. You're getting still in that same package, but you're able to get higher quality, more fullness, if you will, enrichment to the quality. And I think that's important if, especially you're showing off a product, you're releasing and launching something new. If it's not text on screen, then you probably want to opt to go a little bit higher just so they can get just that bit more. So as marketers and content creators for brands, at what point, because this is still not to 4K, which you know a lot of homes have 4K TVs now, at what point do you think we just need to start 
recording everything in 4K? Or do you think that's still a ways off? I think that was a few years ago you should have been doing in 4K, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to poke the bear on that one. Just I, simply, I just got called out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like you don't want to get lost in the sauce and majoring in the minor where it's just like I can't record it if it's not 4K. But it's kind of just setting that new standard. So no matter what platform you're going to, no matter how the compression is, no matter how they change things, you have a lot more wiggle room And I think as marketers, we need to be flexible and fluid. So that's why I've been doing this since I would say 2019 for certain doing 4K and up. And it doesn't matter if we condense it down into 1080p or 720p for some platforms. But no matter when you want to go back and pull that content to use it as B-roll or if you want to use it in a sales video for your landing pages or whatever, you have the highest quality possible, which I just think represents the, the brand best versus you know, 1080p and it's just like, it's like the bare minimum standard. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to get a, a bigger hard drive, I think then. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the files are so much bigger. So I can't wait to see Diana talk at Social Media Marketing World. Coming up here in about a week, AI-driven video growth hacks, elevating your YouTube channel from good to great. Ask yourself, how are your 2024 marketing goals going? If you want to exceed your marketing goals this year, an all-access ticket to Social Media Marketing World is your best investment. You can discover new strategies to improve your marketing results advanced training on marketing strategy, AI, and so much more at Social Media Marketing World 2024. It happens once a year, and it's coming up February 18th through the 20th. So if you're serious about your 2024 marketing goals, don't wait. Grab your all-access ticket right now at socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. Well, speaking of 2024 and the future, the uh, CEO of YouTube came out and uh, released an open letter sharing a bunch of different stuff about where YouTube is going, which I think is important for us to know as we're designing our YouTube strategy. So what were some of the key things that he talked about that you saw, Diana? Yeah, he pointed out a lot of different things. And of course, I think starting with the statistics and the updates, so people are aware of just how much of an industry disruptor that YouTube and all of these seems like micro integrations as they're doing them. But when you look at it as a whole, it's actually making a huge difference in a lot of these different markets. So it started with them saying that more than three million channels are in the YouTube partner program. So just think like three million It could be individuals or groups of individuals, but three million channels are in the YouTube partner program, which I think is huge. And so they're now earning more payouts because of that is helping with bringing more ad friendliness or or more advertisers to the platform because they know that, you know, we're getting paid over 70 billion dollars to creators and artists, media companies as well included in that over the last three years. And I think that's amazing. And they're also you also shared that shorts is averaging over 70 billion daily views. (laughs) views. <laughs> and I don't think we should skip over that too fast. Shorts are averaging over 70 billion daily views. And the number of channels uploading shorts has grown by 50% year over year. And I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Now, I will say as somebody who is a marketer, one of my favorite classes in college was statistics because you can twist statistics however you want, right? So I'm always looking at for the asterisk, but they did report last September that they were at 70 billion views per day on short. So I wonder if they just haven't recalculated or retotaled or if it's falling flat. I can't imagine that it's plateaued already. Uh, I was talking to some of the other staff here at Social Media Examiner, and they were saying, well, 
sometimes some of these companies will play the new numbers close to their vest because they're watching what other people are doing and they don't want to, I think somebody specifically called out Instagram for copying what everybody else does. And so they, you know, maybe they're holding back on some of that. But either way, it's a massive number, as you said. So um, anything else that stood out that he talked about in this open letter about YouTube? Of course, this letter wasn't going to close unless they talked about AI and some of the new things that they're bringing to the table. And I, I love the way that they phrased this. And it was saying that AI will empower or that it should empower human creativity and that YouTube really should be the next frontier from the living room subscriptions. And when it comes to creators being recognized, a lot of things I just said in a real small sentence. So I think we should break those down. So starting with the AI driven information. Now, YouTube has recently, and we talked about this last year, about their new dream platform or what have you. And so they want to continue to ensure AI creativity continues to expand, reaching out to more industries. They also share that they're looking at creators as industries in small studios, not people just doing a side hustle thing, which I find very interesting. And this one, I put an asterisk next to it because I felt some kind of way about it. And it says, we'll help policymakers and partners across the industry see the economic and entertainment value that creators bring to the table and that they were sharing how governments aren't really paying attention to how creators can be seen as like they're, they're not included in the labor data, essentially, which I found interesting for him to point this out for this beginning of the year. The AI stuff, we understand. I think that's amazing. But when we start looking at this differently, I, I consider taxation. I look at the monetization and I also look at how something else that was in there was about how AI can potentially be an issue with some of the content that's going out based on some of the labels. Like if you use AI audio, and I believe we talked about this before, use AI generated stuff or an AI audio based something in your short, for example. Well, now you have to add a different label to that. So I, I don't know. All of this stuff is it's it's like he slid this in here a little bit on top of everything else, but those are some of the points that he mentioned. Yeah, that's really interesting what you brought up too, because it's like, I always want to you know, make content that I'm not going to have to worry about a lot of regulation and compliance and things like that. Like I can check the, hey, there's no violence and it's okay for kids, but to to think about the fact that I generated an AI image that shows up in a in the background of when I'm showing something in the video and then think, oh, like, do I have to show that now? I definitely see it more for things like music and video and things like that than necessarily a quick image. But yeah, that's a really interesting point. A couple of things that stood out to me, you know, he said, you, you kind of touched on this, is creators should be recognized as next generation studios. YouTube's next frontier is the living room. Apparently people like watching shorts on their TV, which I don't get. I don't even like when we have the small black bars at the top of the bottom because Hollywood film is in that slightly wider format. But my 13-year-old loves watching YouTube on TV. And so this idea that people are watching shorts on TVs was you know, not something that I saw coming. And they've also said now with Apple's new Vision Pro, they're gonna start working on an app for that. And so to me, this confirmed a lot of the stuff. You and I have talked about this, I think partially privately, but a lot of what we've been hearing from people at YouTube unofficially, right? No, no open letter, no press release about how YouTube is just becoming this media hub for all kinds of different content, including podcasts, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. And so as a brand, you get all this stuff on there and somebody finds you through your short, then they get recommended your long videos. Somebody finds you through a community post and then they start seeing your shorts if they engage. Somebody finds you through your podcast and now all of a sudden your VODs, your videos on demand, your main videos on YouTube start coming up higher in search. So it's good to see that stuff 
sort of confirmed. Because when we do hear stuff unofficially, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Let's wait and see. Maybe I'll start pivoting my strategy, but it's definitely interesting where they're going with all of this. So just to add on to that, just a small segment, I think we also have to pay attention to as marketers, the younger, what we would think is younger audiences, they're actually watching a lot of the shorts on TV. Case in point, my niece and nephew came over recently and the one thing they asked first was, can we sign into our YouTube account? And when I came back in the living room, they were watching shorts on the TV. Why? I don't know. But that was their go to thing. And what's interesting about shorts on TV, you don't have the additional distractions of the suggested videos and all that other stuff. So it could be a way for marketers to lean into shorts, hitting some of those newer markets or that they want to reach their, their product or business line into and just getting rid of some of those distractions if your audience is preferring TV over their smartphone or their computer. Well, it was nice of your niece and nephew to offer to sign into their own account instead of messing up your algorithm. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> my kids don't do that. And so now I'm like, why is Pokemon coming up in my feed? Oh my and, goodness, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here? I actually, after it started happening, I switched the TV account to just be another one. It's not It's not my main account. So. Smart man. <laughs> well, so let's talk about podcasts. Google Podcasts is is going away. And for people that aren't familiar, this was the default podcast app on Android phones. There are obviously millions and millions of Android phones, and it's being replaced with the YouTube music app. The the best way I heard somebody talk about this is essentially YouTube wants to add podcasts, but not in a way that they have to change their systems. They want to use the systems they already have for video. So there's some kind of workarounds here, but if you have a podcast for your brand, it's definitely important to pay attention to this. So tell us about this latest update, what YouTube announced with podcasts. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It feels like we're going back in time a little bit. It says YouTube rolled out <laughs> RSS feeds or real simple syndication is simply what that stands for, feeds for audio first podcasts. So if you haven't made a video podcast or most of your podcasts, like I think for a lot of us, it was audio only for a really long time. And then we started adding video in these last couple of years. Well, you know, it's like, well, should I re-record those? Should I add a video to it? Or what should I do? And so now being able to add that RSS feed of what you usually would do to sometimes share that out to other platforms, what they're saying that they're not going to do. It's simply saying you can give us that link, post it into your YouTube channel, save that as the audio version And we will update all of the stuff for your episodes like you're used to. And we'll add that to YouTube as well as YouTube music. Well, and my understanding of this is it's the only way to get your podcast in YouTube music, right? Like the other podcast distribution channels will not send it to YouTube music. And if YouTube music becomes the default podcast app on Android, that's a huge opportunity. Oh, yeah. Because when we think about like, and I'm watching, I did both of mine, both video and audio. So I just want to see like, if you have the option, what are you choosing? Because you already could close your phone or close the computer and not pay attention to it. And obviously you're still getting the audio. But what I find it's interesting, more people for the longer watch time are going into the audio only version playlist just to listen. So I don't know if it's less distractions or, or what the issue is. So I find it interesting to add those audio only versions so that people can see and just make that decision on what they want to do. But I said currently where they're only allowing you to add it to YouTube music because I feel like we're in a little bit of a limbo mode. Yes. Like something else is on the horizon this year. Yes. And so you're saying you put up the audio version and the video version of your podcast on YouTube and, and both are getting views or listens. Yeah, because it's like depending if and I don't know how they're going to do this. And I, I would encourage everybody to check this out for either your favorite podcast or your own If you go into the YouTube music app, 
there's like a tab where you can choose if you want audio only or if you want video. That's if you're doing video. However, what I'm finding is having the two different feeds. If I'm only selecting the audio, which sometimes the audio comes out before the video version, at least a day or so, people will opt to listen to that audio version and will listen through. Whereas with the video version, they just may want to see a certain segment based on whatever the audio was about, unless they're just like a YouTube podcast listener, which a lot of people I think are becoming. Yeah. But it's very interesting to see how these statistics are going to mature over time, though, too. Yeah, I will say that the YouTube music experience to switch that tab between audio and video is seamless. I mean, it's really smooth. And I would think the next step would be that all these major podcast hosts that distribute shows would be able to distribute to YouTube music. But then if you are putting a video on YouTube, how is that going to be separate from your, you know, are, are you going to have two feeds then on YouTube? Because it's all kind of a mess. I mean, Spotify, you can later go and add your video to your podcast and then the audio version's gone. On YouTube, you can have both. On Apple Podcasts, you have to have two completely separate feeds. So I think you're right. We're kind of, I don't remember what term you use in limbo or it's Just like, limbo, yeah. Yeah. Right now we're like, okay, well, when's the next part? So one of my big questions is if somebody has a podcast, maybe they have sponsors on their podcast, they can just, then those sponsors get more exposure on YouTube or how does that part work? When it comes to YouTube sponsorships, they're now like you're able to get ads and all those different things through still like your audio versions. But what I find interesting still is like we saw the link clickability go away in shorts, but that hasn't changed with this audio version and whatnot here. So I think we're going to see some of these things we've talked about over the last several months be integrated into this where on TV, this link now becomes available in the episode. It now becomes available. I just feel like we're a little bit in limbo with how this kind of will play out over time. Yeah. But I mean, like, let's say that like this show had a sponsor, you know, one of the social media scheduling tools or one of our other awesome partners here with social media examiner, and it goes on YouTube if somebody paid for placement on the show and then it goes on YouTube, is that like, do we have to tag it as paid promotion then at that point? Is that the next step you think? My best guess, and this is just Diana's best guess. <laughs> I honestly think that dynamic insertion, because we're, we're into, we got to think podcasting, audio game stuff, dynamic insertion with the existing editable video, editable stuff. Like after you upload you can go into the edit tab and all that stuff on YouTube now with your videos. I think we're going to start to see stuff like that in YouTube start to become if you only want to upload your podcast and possibly push these out to Spotify, push it out to Apple Podcasts. And I think YouTube is just going to be an audio player. So I think dynamic insertion type things can become a thing like mark this spot as an audio segment and choose to maybe skip it or choose to remove it. No different than how we kind of look at the aspect of copyright. You can mute that. You can take it out. I think we're going to probably see some similar type stuff on the horizon down the line because it's too much money in that not to touch it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just, I was just reading in the fine print a little bit more here. It does say podcast content you upload to YouTube cannot contain advertisements. And if it does, then you have to let them know by, you know, checking the box and all that kind of stuff. So mm. this makes me not surprised. It took so long for YouTube to kind of get on podcasts, get on this part of it, because it is complex to add it to their ecosystem when you kind of step back and look at all of it. So, all right. And the most bizarre story of the week is something that YouTube is testing around color. So you've 
actually seen this come up as part of the test. I just saw the story about it. But explain to us what exactly is happening here and what are your thoughts on this, Diana? Yeah, so YouTube introduced a more of a usability feature where you can now add filters uh, to your home feed by creating or using a specific color, creating, it says, a more visually cohesive and pleasing experience when browsing. So essentially what this looked like on my phone, which if I pull this up here for a second, it just says craving something new. It's a little pop up in the middle of the phone feed. And it says I can pick between red, blue and green. And then it will change the way like what I see instead of it being like a a light mode or dark mode. Maybe you now see color around all of your stuff. So it's just it feels more again, just more like a user interface customization type thing, uh, which is kind of interesting. Okay, so I'm so glad that you've seen it and you explained it because when I saw the story, the way I interpreted it was because when they say filter, I'm thinking about the content that you see. And so I thought they were saying like, so if you say I like red, then they're going to show you all videos with red thumbnails or something like that. But they're saying filter almost like like we think of an Instagram filter, a photo filter. It just kind of changes the aesthetic of the whole thing. Yeah. And that's again, that's currently because I think they're playing around to see what you like to know. Does it make a difference or not? You know, if you like the color blue, does that make certain thumbnails pop better? Or if you have a frame border around your thumbnails, does it help that? To, like, I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole they want to go with this, but it just seems right now it's just a user interface thing to make you feel more like of a control over the app in what you're looking at. And it just feels more like a desktop on your computer. It's customized. Your web browsing experience looks the way you want it to look. And I think YouTube is kind of just playing with that right now. And so from what you've seen, does the filter change the way the thumbnails look? Not to me personally. It just mostly the background. Yeah. It, and it feels, in my opinion, just a, and again, this is first impressions, a little just a little bit distracting because you're not used to it yet. If you like it and you're used to it or you prefer color that feels more energetic because something else I noticed that this could be tying into YouTube is very much so asking how you feel after you watch a video. We've seen these polls and stuff before, but I'm seeing them lean really heavy into how did you feel after you watched this video or what emotion did you get after you watched this video? versus was it valuable or not. So I feel like they're just leaning more into some of that psychological colorization, if you will, for lack of a better phrasing, to just like get you to have a better feeling, positive feeling when you come to the platform instead of negative. So I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole again they want to go with that, but that's just what it feels like it's more connected to. Well, and if we get deep into color psychology, I mean, if they discover that somebody with a blue filter on their feed will watch for an extra three minutes, that's a lot of money for them. So they're going to do that, I think, same type of thing. I mean, anything that keeps somebody scrolling longer, it's more likely to see an ad, a sponsored section, anything like that. Color psychology is, you know, I'm a big psychology geek and color psychology is, is, you know, pretty fascinating. But yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad you'd seen it because when I first just read the text, I was like, this is weird, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects things long term. If one of the things when I used to coach on Facebook, it was like Facebook is not as blue as it used to be. But I used to have my clients, it's like, hey, let's get some red and some orange in there so that it pops. Because if you put something in there that's the same color as the Facebook blue bar at the top like you used to have, yeah, it just blends right in. So yeah, so this will be interesting to see. That color theory, I think is something, as a marketer, is something that we can probably play to our likes uh, a little bit more. Companies would, if you had a physical location, people would pay so much money into, like you said, the color theory of like what color the walls are in the kitchen or the kitchen area. 
versus in the working area and like using a lot of yellows and stuff that was really inspiring. So obviously, I you know, it's granted to a point on mobile devices, some kind of visual, something you have to take into consent. Like I didn't see like red being a thing. So, you know, because that's a big <laughs> issue that are orange. But it seems like, it, yeah, oh, that, that'd be really cool. Like if blue becomes the dominant theme of your ideal target audience, would you now shift the way you kind of do the color theory to match what now maybe new data we get in analytics, like your people prefer the color blue. Yeah. You're saying that like a year from now, you might know that 40% of your people have the blue filter turned on or whatever. So, well, I can't wait to get it so I can overthink what color to choose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because I, I know I will. So, all right, quick reminder, grab your physical or virtual ticket now to Social Media Marketing World. Just go to socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. Come see me, come see Diana speak. And Diana, other than Social Media Marketing World, where else can people find out more about you? Of course, you can find me on YouTube at Diana Gladney is my handle. And then dianagladney.com on the dot com on the web and anywhere else on the interweb except Twitter because I messed that one up. So it's at Diana Gladian, the number two. Okay. <laughs> and if you want to add a podcast to your listening lineup, two more for you to check out the social media marketing podcast and the marketing agency show. Until next time, may you be wise with your marketing decisions. Thanks everyone. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.